You are welcome to Face to Face Broadcast. Enjoy the dynamic teaching ministry of Pastor Tibby Peters, the president of Renaissance Assembly Incorporated. This message will take you from where you are to where you ought to be. Taking the message of faith around the world by the power of the Holy Spirit. I appreciate the music team. Please be seated. Happy to see you tonight. Amen. Amen. Today is day five. Glory to Jesus. And um, we've been looking at Jesus and his crucifixion. You know, when we were growing up, The only time, most of the time, the only time you hear them talk about the death of Jesus is during the Easter. And so when it's Good Friday or Easter Sunday, somehow they sermonize about the sacrifice of Jesus. Like they are trying to commemorate that day. But I tell you that that message is what should be preached every day. Amen. It's not for Easter Sunday. So some of you, maybe if you were raised that way, the first thought that will come to your mind, is it Easter? Praise God. Easter is a day where our lives reflect whatever Easter represents. It is because of that death that we're gathered here today. Hallelujah. How many of you have been receiving? Glory to Jesus. Now, um, don't forget to share your testimonies and tell us what's been happening. I've been hearing some healings that have taken place even while we're not prayed for the sick. Amen. And um, I'd like to encourage you um, after the meetings walk up to any of the leaders or ushers, give them your testimonies, um, the experiences you've had so far, so that we can move today. Glory to God. Um, I've been very, I've been very well behaved since this meeting. Amen. Glory to God. I've confined myself to teaching and allowing you go without your clothes being dirty. Amen. Is that not good? <laughs> Hallelujah. Um, but I hope I will keep up with it a little longer. Amen. Definitely we'll have a time for impartations. And um we will teach as long as we need to teach. But a lot is already happening. Is that not so? Your spirit is fed, right? Alright, I want you to declare something that has dropped in your spirit in the last four days. Amen. Whatever it is that dropped in your spirit. I'm going to say one, two, go. You will shout your own. Amen. Are we together? So I want to know what has dropped in your own spirit. In the cause of this teaching. If you are coming for the first time today, you don't have to say anything. 
Alright, so, but if you've been, if you've been here, what's the strongest thing that has dropped in your spirit? Are you ready? Want to go! <laughs> Glory to God. At least your neighbor must have heard what he said. Are you ready for tonight? Are you ready? In Luke 5.17, the Bible tells us about Jesus. And tells about the ministry of Jesus Christ. How that on a certain day that he was teaching. And while he was teaching, doctors of the law and Pharisees came. And then the last part says that the power of the Lord was present to heal. Meaning that in the teaching meeting, the dynamics of God was still working. Hallelujah. Today, as Pastor TB is teaching, the power of the Lord will be present to heal. And you will discover that the lump you came with in your body has disappeared. You discover that your bones have been straightened. You discover that your blood sugar has gone. You discover that hypertension has been tamed. You discover that. Glory to God. In 1998, I went for a meeting. I had a word of knowledge for someone that had um, a growth. Um, sorry, um, what do you call it now? Yeah, on the person's body, and that the growth, the um, skin infection at the back, cleared out in the meeting. So I came up on the platform. It was not such a large crowd. Maybe there were about 30, 40 people in the meeting. It was a meeting I was invited for. It was on a Saturday. So when I came up, I was excited about the word of knowledge, you know, what I thought God's word. Then I said, I gave the word of knowledge. And um, nobody came out for the word of knowledge. And I said, there's somebody here. You had an infection on your back and now you've been healed. And nobody came out for the word of knowledge. So, I ministered the other things I was supposed to minister. And then, I left. As I was walking out the door, someone ran to me. I said, I was so ashamed to come out. But do you know that my back is clear? Amen. I'm the one. You know? Now, that bothered me a lot. Then, that was 1998. It bothered me for many reasons. I won't be able to go into all of them today. But the Lord spoke to me after the meeting when I went back to my room. And he said, he began to talk to me about what he had called me to do. And then he said to me that whenever you teach, someone gets healed. Whether you hear the testimony or not, he said, I want you to know, amen, that whenever you teach and there are sick people there, someone gets healed. He told me that personally in 1998. So you didn't know about it, so I'm telling you, amen. Hallelujah. So you know, sometimes you always wait for when the pastor is going to lay hands on you and there are different kinds of ministries. Are you understanding me? Lay hands on you and pray for you and all that and all that. You can receive your healing. While I'm talking. Amen. Amen. Can we go ahead? Yes, 
Alright. We've been looking at a lot of things and tonight is one of the nights I didn't promise you anything. Amen. Glory to God. So we'll finish. Is that not so? Glory to Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Well, I'll kick off from Hebrews. And we'll go around the Bible. And then finally we will arrive. You know that the scripture clearly tells us that we have not come to a mount that burns with fire. We have not come to a mount that has blackness and darkness and tempest. He's saying that our experience is not like the Jewish people that came to Mount Sinai and were afraid. Even Moses that invited them for the meeting was afraid. He said, that's not our experience. In Hebrews 12, 22, he says, we have come to Mount Zion. Hallelujah. He's trying to establish that your experience is different from the experience of the Jews. That any man that has embraced Jesus as Lord and Savior has a better experience than the Jewish man. I know some of you read your Bible sometimes and you feel like brother Job. But you are not Job. Amen. You are a new creation in Christ Jesus. If Job lived in your day, he would not have had the experience he had then. Why? Because he would have known what you know. Amen. What was the thing Job didn't know? What was it Job didn't know? Well, in Job's day, if you study the scriptures, we're made to understand that Job must have lived about the time maybe Abraham lived. And the Bible says that he was the greatest man in the East. But now, Job didn't know something. He had a revelation of God, but he did not know that there was a devil, so to speak. Amen. He didn't have a revelation of a devil. So everything that happened in Job's life, whether good or bad, he attributed it to God. So if you see the later writings of Job from the 42nd chapter, you see Job saying, Ahead of you with the hearing of the ear, now mine eye seeth you. Amen. Meaning, I've come to a place now where I know. As a matter of fact, this kind of thing can't happen to me anymore. Glory to God. Well, another thing about Job was that Job, in his time, did not have authority over Satan. So even if he had known, he didn't have authority over Satan. But the new creation, hallelujah, the one that is born of God has authority over Satan. Am I communicating? Alright, the Bible says, resist the devil. Amen. And what? He, the Bible says, did not say, resist the devil and he will think about it. Is that what your scripture said? He did not say, resist the devil and he will consider your proposal. He said, resist the devil and he tells you the experience. He will flee from you. Several years back, I came across Luke 10, 19. Behold, I give unto you power to tread on snakes and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall by any means hurt you. I believed it. I endorsed it. I didn't know how it was going to be helpful to me, but if it is in scripture, then it's mine. Glory to God. And I believe that's the attitude for everyone today. If it's in scripture, it is mine. Say it's mine. So one day my friend and I, this would have been 95, 96, 
We went somewhere and we had, in short, as a matter of fact, we had more demonic cases than any other case. So we were casting out them from beginning to the end. So when we finished the meeting, we were going back. We got a taxi and we were sitting at the back. On our way as we were going, my friend, um, flows in the prophetic as a prophet of God. And then he said, do you know what's happening now? I said, what's happening? He said, the demons we cast out are following us. As a matter of fact, they're hanging on the car and following us. But I know Luke, I know Luke 10, 19. So I said, they cannot follow me. They are following you. It's your revelation, so they're following you. They cannot, they know they cannot follow me. So he was wondering what would give me the audacity to talk like that. And I said, because he said he gave me authority over snakes and scorpions. And when I do that, they will not come back to hurt me. Amen. Are you getting the idea now? We have come to Mount Zion. So any experience that does not line up with Mount Zion, reject it. It's not for you. Are you getting me? The Bible didn't say we have come unto Mount Zion, unto the city of sickness. We've come to the hospital of surgeries. Is that what he said? Anything you don't see in Zion shouldn't show on your body. It shouldn't show up in your family. It shouldn't show up in your life. Listen to me. There's something about rejecting something from within you and giving no room for it to be around you. Amen. Are we together? Very important. So we have come to Mount Zion. Say, I've come to Mount Zion. We are not on our way. We are in Mount Zion. The day I got born again, I entered Zion. I've, you know, I'm just trying to lay foundation for some of you that are just coming. You know, I try to do that so we can flow together. So we're going to take off this evening. Amen. Your Bible has one purpose to show you Jesus. If your Bible is used for any other thing, it is not fulfilling the purpose for which it was given. Paul, the apostle, he, Paul was raised as a Pharisee. I hope you know that before he got born again. That means that Paul was learned in the law. Tutored in the law. You cannot be a Pharisee and not know and not be a master of the law. Remember a Pharisee, an example of a Pharisee was Nicodemus in John chapter 3 when he came and met Jesus. What did Jesus say? Say, a teacher of the law like you. You don't, that means that those Pharisees are teachers of the law. They are professors of the law. So that's where Paul was coming from. Yet when Paul met Jesus, everything changed. You know what Paul now said? He said, when I came to you, I determined not to know anything among you. I didn't want to come and talk law here, but Jesus Christ and him crucified. Amen. My speech and preaching were not in enticing words of man's wisdom. But this is a man that is a lawyer by training. He said, no, no, I can't depend on that. I can't depend on my oratory. Why? Because that's not what produces result. The message is the gospel. Amen. The gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ is what makes the difference. 
And Paul helps us to understand what the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ is. It is not be a good boy. That's not the gospel. Live your life straight. That's not the gospel. The gospel announces what Jesus did. Amen. And I told you, anybody that preaches to you a bloodless gospel, don't listen. The gospel is a blood-stained message. You cannot preach the gospel and not talk about blood. Because what makes the gospel effective is that someone died. Hallelujah. Blood was shed. And that's why your sins are forgiven. Amen. Your sins are not forgiven because you are very sorry. Did you hear me? Your sins are not forgiven because you are very sorry. Your sins are forgiven because Jesus shed his blood. No matter how sorry you are, if his blood was not shed, you will still be a sinner. Without the shedding of blood, there is no remission. Hebrews 9.22 Almost all things by the law are purged by blood. And where without, where there is no um, um, shedding of blood, there is no remission. That means it's the shedding of blood that deals with sin. In Leviticus 17 verse 11, God was teaching them and explaining to them why he allowed them to use blood. He said because it is blood that makes atonement for the soul. Without blood, sin cannot be forgiven. Are we, are we together? I'm just stamp testing your spirits. Amen. <laughs> Alright. Amen. Amen. Without blood, there's no forgiveness of sin. That's why the Bible tells us about Jesus. Jesus is the lamb slain before the foundations of the earth. I know. I don't know if we might enter there today. That means that every sacrifice that was carried out in the Bible, even when they are killing animals, it was a portrayal of Jesus' death. That's why it was even effective. Say, blood was shed for me. Some of you know what your problem is. You don't used to say these things. They say, say it now. That's why you start yawning. Say it. Blood was shed for me. My sins have been forgiven. These are the statements that move your life forward. It's not, Satan, you will not kill me. Satan, you will not kill me. That's not what changes your life. What changes your life is this one. Blood has been shed for me. My sins have been forgiven. You know why? Look at the scriptures. The Bible told us, it said, he said, Behold, it's not that God's hand is heavy, neither is his ear. So, look, God's hand is not shutting, neither is his ear heavy. But because of your sins, there seems to be a separation between God and you. Now, those sins have been dealt with. So, his hands are no more shutting towards you. His ear is no more heavy towards you. Are you getting the picture? Say, my sins have been forgiven. Blood was shed for me. Glory to God. This is the gospel. This is the gospel. I told you something. The gospel was not an afterthought of God. The gospel is a forethought of God. That means that even before time, God already had a plan for the gospel. 
It's Satan that didn't know the plan of God. That's why the Bible says that had they known, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. The demons and Satan, they did not know God's plan. God is saying, last card. <laughs> last card. Amen. And they looked. They thought they were going to win. And then he said, check. Amen. <laughs> Amen. It is finished. Glory to God. He said, had they known, had the princes of this world known, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. You know that, that sacrifice of Jesus is irreversible. That's why your forgiveness is irreversible. Are you with me? Alright? They cannot unkill Jesus. It's done. So, this gospel is not God's afterthought. It's not something that says, okay, there's a problem, let me solve it. No, 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 no. According to how he proposed in himself. He said he works all things after the counsel of his own will. Amen. Hallelujah. Now let me, let's look at the Bible again. You see, the Bible has 66 books. It starts with Genesis and ends with Revelation. But the truth is, the Bible starts with a revelation and ends with a revelation. Genesis is the beginning of the revelation. Why revelation is the end of the revelation. Are you understanding me? So in the Bible, we are taken first to, it's, the Bible is a message that covers eternity to eternity. What does eternity to eternity mean? It means it first goes to the eternal past, then it goes to the eternal future. Are you understanding me? Eternal past is before man came. What happened? What transpired? That's what the scripture is saying about before the foundations of the earth then what happens at the end of time and beyond eternal future? The Bible covers all of that. Hallelujah. Are we together? Now, when you look through, you will find that every step of the way, Jesus was showing himself in one way or the other. The idea of new covenant, the idea of grace, the idea of mercy did not start even in Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, no. It was there from the beginning. That's why grace is in Genesis. Amen. Are you understanding me? There's what we call the law of first interpretation in the Bible. Amen. The law of first interpretation simply means that, I told you something because of this teaching, that the book of Genesis is the seedbed of all Bible revelation. That means that any Bible truth, whether it's about the Spirit, whether it's about the Trinity, think of any Bible truth, whether it's prayer, any Bible truth, you find it in seed form first in Genesis. If you don't find it in Genesis, it's likely not true. Or it's an error. Hallelujah. It's a doctrinal error. So God arranged it that you will first find it in Genesis in seed form. So, if we say, we start talking about grace, grace, grace. No, it's not just the Pauline epistles. Let me explain it this way. Do you know what the New Testament is? The New Testament is simply a commentary of the Old Testament. Paul 
expounding on what this Old Testament was trying to say. Amen. Unveiling it. Glory to God. Am I communicating? So in Genesis, we see that law of first interpretation. That means that if you want to study a word, study a concept in the Bible, the first thing to do is to find out where it was first mentioned, especially in Genesis. And if you find where it was first mentioned, the first meaning that you derive from that word is likely the major meaning of that word. Amen. Did you get, did you get what I just said now? Or you're just nodding your head? So the word grace was first found in Genesis 6 verse 8. Hallelujah. So you want to know what grace really means? Study Genesis 6 8. Amen. Whatever Genesis 6 8 tells you and defines grace as is what grace really means. So but for you to appreciate verse 8, I'll start from 1. Glory to God. So you see what grace is. Amen. Okay, let me read 8 then I'll come back to 1. Eight. Let's read together. Verse 8. One, two, go. But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Are you understanding? Did he find grace in his, in his own works? He found it in the eyes of the Lord. Amen. It's the, the language was carefully chosen. Amen. He found grace in the eyes of the Lord. We are told that through the man's eye you can see his soul. Is that not so? So that's the heart of God, is grace. Amen. So when Noah looked into his eyes, his grace he saw. It's not judgment he saw. His grace he saw. His grace he saw. His grace he saw. Hallelujah. Glory to God. So those same eyes run to and through the earth to show himself mighty. They are eyes that show grace. Are you understanding me? When you look through those eyes, you see grace. Now, but I want to show you something from verse 1. It says, and it came to pass when men began to multiply the face on the face of the earth, and daughters were born unto them, that the sons of God, now these sons of God here are not talking about children of God, angelic beings believed here to be fallen angels, were referred to as sons of God. Um, the, 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 the phrase or the coinage that sons of God meant that these creatures came from God. Hallelujah. They are not like the rest of the humans. So you say, these sons of God saw the daughters of men that they were fair. And they took them wives of all which they chose. This was an error. Are you understanding me? Okay? Verse 3. And the Lord said, my spirit shall not always strive with man, for that he also is flesh. Yet his days shall be 120 years. There were giants in the earth in those days. And also after that time, when the sons of God came in unto the daughters of men. You know, I like waking James used to say something. Came in unto the sons of men. They bear children to them. <laughs> you know, I do it while he says, and Adam knew Eve. You would think he knew her from somewhere. You understand that? <laughs> Alright. The same became mighty men, which were of old men of renown. Amen. And God saw, look at verse 5 carefully. And God saw what? What did he see? That the wickedness of man was great in the earth. That's what he saw. And that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. It's not different from what's happening in some places today, is it? 
And it repented the Lord that he had made man on the earth. It grieved him at his heart. What did God do? And the Lord said, I will destroy man whom I have created from the face of the earth, both man and beast and the creeping thing and the fowls of the air. For it repented me that I have made them. Pause. Pause. Back to seven. What was God's verdict? I will destroy. Everybody say I will destroy. Say it, I will destroy. Is that a judgment? It's not a judgment. So it's going to judge man. Is that not so? So I will destroy man whom I have created from the face of the earth. Not even man, even the animals around him because he has corrupted them. Amen. I will destroy them. Look at verse 7. Verse 8 now. It now says, but. Everybody say, but. If somebody tells you, I will give you the, I will, I will give you the money, but you know that you are not going to get the money again. Amen. So he said, I will destroy man, but. 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 I say, but. But Noah found grace. This simply means, this is the first time the word grace is ever used, that grace is an exemption from judgment. That means everybody's going down except Noah. Hallelujah. And the reason why he's not joining them is grace speaking for him. So if you are here today and we say, may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. May the exemption that Christ brought to the world be with you. Amen. The exemption from judgment that Christ has brought. The Bible says in Titus 2.11, the grace of God that bringeth salvation had appeared to all men. It did appear to some. It appeared to all men. All of mankind now had a chance to embrace grace. Hallelujah. To embrace grace. Hallelujah. Glory to Jesus. Now, oh, there were people, one or two, long before time, even before the law came, one or two people that seemed to enjoy grace. But now Jesus came to make it a universal program. Amen. Are you understanding me? Aha. Uh-huh. It was no more one person here, one person there. No, no, no. Jesus now made it available for all as a gift. That's what the Bible says. The law was given by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. John 1.17 This was what bothered Paul. He said, if any other man preach any other thing unto you, apart from that which we have preached, he said, I marvel that you are so soon removed from the grace of Christ unto another gospel. Meaning that the grace of Christ is the gospel. It is the gospel. That Jesus died for your sins. And that he was buried and he rose again. That death he died was a brutal death. Blood was shed. And Jesus stood as the Lamb of God that took away your sin. Are we, are we going somewhere? Now, you know what the Bible is trying to tell you? Now, I'll just jump to Hebrews 13, 8. Hebrews 13 verse 8 and 9 says, Jesus Christ the same yesterday, today, forever. Alright? And I said, be not carried about. Amen. He said, be not carried about with diverse and strange doctrines. 
Ah. For it is a good thing that the hearts, your hearts, be established with grace. Don't be one leg in, one leg out. Amen. Let your heart be established. Say, let your heart be established. Do you know why, before he mentioned grace, do you know why he had to talk about verse 8? Make you understand that this Jesus Christ, you know, that statement in verse 8 is a very heavy statement. It's not just something that people use as a motto in their ministry. Jesus Christ said yesterday to that forever. He was saying something very heavy. Amen. He was writing to Jewish people. The Hebrew text, the book of Hebrews, was written for believers that were of Hebrew origin or Jewish origin. So, when they say Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, the same yesterday, today, forever, they know what you are saying. You are quoting Malachi 3.6. I am the Lord, I change it not. That means you are saying Jesus is God. I love the Nicene Creed. It says, God of God. Very light of very light. Amen. Very God of very God. Very light of very light. That means that this Jesus you see is God in flesh. Glory to God. <laughs> Say my sins are forgiven. Say again, my sins are forgiven. Glory to Jesus. If you believe that your sins are forgiven, say it one more time, my sins are forgiven. Glory to God. Very important. Very important. But today I want to talk about something. You know, some of you were still thinking of what you ate before you came. But now you've forgotten it. Amen. So I can start. I want to talk to you about the inheritance of the saints. Amen. In Colossians 1, verse 12, it says, Giving thanks unto the Father, which hath made us meet that's qualified to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light. Give me the New King James Version. It will use a different word. Yeah, so can we read it together? I want to go. Giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in the light. Amen. So the first thing here is that we have been qualified, amen, to share in the inheritance. That there is an inheritance and God has qualified you and I to share in that inheritance. I told you what the summary of the gospel is. What this whole thing is about. And I used the scripture in Deuteronomy 6.23 to explain it. Explaining that the, 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 the experience of the Jewish people coming out of Egypt and going to the promised land is the experience of the believer coming out of sin and entering his inheritance. In Deuteronomy 6.23, this was their declaration. And he brought us out from thence that he might bring us in to give us the land which is swear unto our fathers. Let's read together. I want to go. And he brought us out from thence that he might bring us in to give us the land which is swear unto our fathers. So the gospel came to bring you out so that it can bring you in. 
What did he bring you out from? Sin. What is he bringing you into? Inheritance. So, if we are to divide the Bible in two parts and say what are the things that the believer should major on in the study of God's word, study about forgiveness of sin and then study about inheritance. Every other Bible subject fall under those two. Now, some people we are told that they have come out. But the way they were told that they came out does not give them confidence to ever enter in. And do you know one of the greatest concerns of Paul was that the believer should come into this inheritance. What was the right, Hebrews chapter 4, what was the first two verses? What was he concerned about? He said, let us therefore fear, lest the promise left us of us of entering into his rest, that rest is the inheritance. Any of you should seem to come short of it. That means that there was a plan to bring you into rest. Into an inheritance. And then there are some people that are living short of that inheritance. They are not living like something was made available to them. See, Jesus made a statement. You know when he said, I will not leave you orphans. That's the language that was used. You know, I will not leave you helpless. Or comfortless. The rendering is orphans. It means I will not leave you. An orphan is not, if, you cannot say a buari is an orphan. Now, are you as enemy? An orphan, the orphan word is used when somebody is deprived of parental support. Now, when the, Jesus said, I will not leave you orphans, he was saying that when I brought you into this kingdom, I didn't leave you without an inheritance. So stop behaving like orphans. Look at your neighbor. Say, you are not an orphan. You have a father <laughs> that left an inheritance for you. <laughs> Glory to God. Amen. Are you getting the picture now? Understand that. So here, see. <laughs> Glory to God. Now, it's very important for you to get that. Lest any of you should seem to come short of it. I show you another scripture. In Acts 26, 18, Paul was giving a summary of his ministry. And he told us that to open their eyes, that's what we're doing here. And to turn them from darkness to light. And the power of Satan unto God. Why? That they may receive forgiveness of sins. Amen. That they may receive forgiveness of sin. That's one part. Receive. Everybody say receive. Now listen, there's difference between, see, forgiveness is a gift from God to you. It's not a reward for your remorse. Oh, Lord, shut up. Are you understanding me? Forgiveness is not a reward for your remorse. Forgiveness is a gift from God to mankind through Christ Jesus. So, forgiveness of sin must be received. You must receive it. You must take it and make it yours. That's one part. The next thing to receive is in the inheritance. The inheritance also must be received. I'm trying to show you here forgiveness of sin and inheritance. Now, we're going to run faster. The reason why it's forgiveness of sin is very important is that you cannot 
confidently walk in your inheritance if you've not received forgiveness of sin. And that's why every believer should be taught about forgiveness of sin. Who you are in Christ. You are the righteousness of God. Those things are the things that embolden you to seize your inheritance. Let's not even make it spiritual, so to speak. If, If a man has a son and the son does not believe that he's a legitimate son. They now tell him, that is your father's property. Go and take it. Will he have the confidence to go and take it? If he's not sure, he say, I think that man is your father. I think he's your father. I think, because there was a time your father used to go around that place. You understand that? So I think he's your father. And it's like, you look like him. He's not sure. There's no proof that he's a man's son. If he goes there, and someone say, who are you? Say, uh, so you know you're not. If he's not confident, he will leave it. But if he knows that he is the man's son, amen. Are you understanding me? That's the same role forgiveness of sin plays when it comes to walking in the inheritance that God has ordained for you. If you read the whole Bible, you will see the connection between forgiveness of sin and inheritance. Hallelujah. As a matter of fact, most of the epistles... Anywhere you see forgiveness of sin, not too far, you will see inheritance. Amen. Am I communicating? Not too far, you will see inheritance. Maybe I should just show you one verse of scripture. Revelations 1, 4 and 5. In Revelations 1, it tells us about something. It says, it says, my focus is verse 5, but let's start from here. John to the seven churches which are in Asia, grace be unto you, and peace from him, which is, which was, and which is to come, and from seven spirits which are before his throne, and from Jesus Christ, who is what? The faithful witness, and the first begotten of the dead, and the prince of the kings of the earth. Pause. Let's read the last part together. Unto him that loved us, and washed us from our sins in his own blood. Pause. What did he do? He washed us. Ever say he washed us from our sins. Is it with water? What did he wash us with? His own blood. Not the blood of a goat. Not the blood of a bull. His own blood. Why? Verse 6. And had made us. That one is inheritance. Kings. Are you understanding me? So there's forgiveness of sin that is the washing and then making us kings, which is the inheritance. Am I communicating? You cannot experience that role of kingship if you've not embraced the washing of your sins. Who washed us from our sins? I gave you different pictures of Jesus. Jesus is known as the lamb slain from the foundations of the earth. The lamb seated on the throne. But he's also known as the lion of the tribe of Judah. The lamb is the forgiveness of sin. The lion is the inheritance. Amen. We read from Revelations 5. When Jesus showed up. Hallelujah. 
They said, hey, 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 hey. They said, they were weeping. Why? There's nobody that can open the book. He said, weep not, weep not, for the lion of the tribe of Judah have prevailed to open the book. They said, oh, the lion has come. Everybody was looking out for the lion. When the lion came out, it was a lamb they saw. Why? God wants you to always see Jesus as the lamb. Amen. Let his sacrifice always be before you. Let his debts and the forgiveness he made available always be before you. Be conscious constantly of it. Listen to me. If you're not conscious of his forgiveness, you are proud. That means that it is of works and you want to boast. He said, for by grace are you saved through faith, not of works, lest any man. God doesn't want anybody to say, well, um, you know, in the last few years, I have. (laughs) He doesn't want you to boast. That's the law of faith. It excludes boasting. Amen. Are you understanding me? He doesn't allow boasting. He said, ah, do you know, ah, I just trusted Jesus and my, look at, look at where I am now. Amen. Do you know all these things happened this year? I just trusted Jesus. Amen. And I say, you know how this is her. See, we strategize, you know. So we, we, no, 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 no. Your boast is in the sacrifice. Amen. I said, say it, my boast is in sacrifice. Oh, do I, why do you have a wonderful family? Oh, the sacrifice is speaking over my home. Amen. Why, why is your job moving smoothly? The sacrifice of Jesus is speaking over my, over my job. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Say, I trust the sacrifice. Glory to Jesus. Say it again, I trust the sacrifice. Alright? So, we have an inheritance. And I'm trying to establish that we need to first know that our sins are forgiven. It is on that platform that our sins are forgiven that we embrace the inheritance. Quickly, I'll just show you jump, jump, jump scriptures about the inheritance. Peter, First Peter told us about the inheritance. From First Peter 1 verse 3 and 4. It says there, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy, you always see mercy, um, forgiveness somewhere, anytime they're going towards inheritance. Amen. He said, according to his abundant mercy, it's not his cast mercy, it's abundant. Amen. Have begotten us again unto a lively hope. How? By the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Verse 4. To an inheritance. Amen. So listen, this scripture is saying you were born into an inheritance. Say it again. Say I was born into an inheritance. Now, this is, this is the thing now. You didn't earn it. No, 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 no. You were born into it. Say I was born into it. You were born into an inheritance. And it tells you that this inheritance is incorruptible. It, it can never be devalued. It's, it is, this inheritance is undefiled and fades not away. The inheritance is reserved in heaven for you. So your inheritance is secure. Glory to God. Say my inheritance is secure. Say I was born into an inheritance. Glory to God. See, let me use something that you can relate with. When we say inheritance, we're talking about a patrimony. We're talking about what 
um, a lame, to make it easier for everyone to understand, a bet right. Everybody say a bet right. But I love calling it ownership rights. Amen. You were born with ownership rights. When you got born again. Amen. Now, it's not coming to you later. It was yours. It is true teaching of God's word. You now know what belongs to you. So you were born into an inheritance that is incorruptible, undefiled, that faded not away, reserved in heaven for you. Thank God it's not in Nigeria. If the inheritance was in Nigeria, dollar would have devalued it. Are you with me? The inheritance is reserved in heaven for you. In Ephesians 1.11, it says, In whom? In Christ. We have obtained an inheritance. So he said, in whom also we have obtained an inheritance, being predestinated according to the purpose of him, who worketh all things after the counsel of his own will. So say, I've obtained an inheritance. Say, I was born into an inheritance. I've obtained an inheritance. Glory to God. Very, very important. And the earlier scripture we read, the Bible says, giving thanks unto the Father, who had made us partakers. So you are also a partaker of the inheritance. Don't forget these three things. You were born into an inheritance. I have obtained an inheritance. I'm a partaker of the inheritance. Which inheritance? The inheritance of the saints. There's an inheritance that belongs to the saints. It does not belong to the hidden. It belongs to the saints. And that's why the Bible tells us, it calls us heirs. Amen. Are we together? Hebrews 1.14 Are they not all ministering spirits sent forth to minister for us who are heirs? Who shall be in that case? Heirs of salvation. That means those that are born again are called heirs of salvation. What did they inherit? Salvation. Amen. Glory to God. You inherited the salvation. Amen. Say I'm an heir of salvation. Say again, I'm an heir of salvation. Now, let me explain what it means. It means that, see, someone can say, someone can sit down here and say, they say, what do you own? He say, well, I have um, a, a land as social place. I have this as social place. You have mentioned your property. For us in Christ, uh, well, I, am, I have salvation. Amen. Glory to God. Are you understanding me? It's part of your inheritance. I have salvation. Glory to God. Are we together? So, say, I'm an heir of salvation. Salvation is my inheritance. You get it? Then in Titus 3 7, it now tells you that we are heirs of eternal life. It says that being justified by his grace, we should be heirs according to the hope of eternal life. So uh, somewhere in this will put it this way that we are heirs of this life that is everlasting. So you have salvation. You also have Eternal life. Amen. Say we're heirs of eternal life. Say we're heirs of salvation. 
Now this is the next verse that is where the message starts. Amen. Romans 4.13 Romans 4.13 now brings us into the core of what I want to you know I want to brood on. Amen. Glory to God. Are we together? You know, we, we can stay here. Glory to God. You know, we, we can just have an all night from here. Amen. Glory to God. In Romans 4.13, it says, For the promise that we, that sorry, that he should be the heir of the world, was not to Abraham or to his seed through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. Pause. That means there was a promise. It was through the righteousness of faith to Abraham and his seed. Amen. What was the promise? That he is going to be what? The heir of the world. Say it again. The heir of the world. Say the heir of the world. Galatians 3.16 in Galatians 3.16, we are made to understand who the promise directly was made to. It says, now to Abraham and to his seed, where the promise is made, he said not unto seeds as of many, but as of one, and to thy seed, which is Christ. That means that Christ became the heir of the world. That means that with his blood, he bought the world. Amen. Am I communicating? Say Christ is the heir of the world. Do you know what it means that he's the heir? It means he's the owner. Everything in this world is in his name. <laughs> you know, we used to joke in my house sometimes. My wife would say, Ah, I saw a thousand note. I like, ah, who has this money? He said, I don't know who has it. She would say, I don't know who has it. I say, every money in this house is my own. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Amen. <laughs> Glory to God. Everything is my own. <laughs> Glory to God. Because even if it's your own, it's my own. <laughs> that I made your own. Amen. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> you know, sometimes children say, this is my room. I made it your room. It's my room <laughs> that I made your own. Amen. Glory to God. Glory to Jesus. Everything in this world was in the name of Jesus. So Jesus became the heir of the world. Do you know what that means? He became the owner. I said owner. I said owner. I said owner. You know, that's why those songs offend me. This world is not my home. Those songs offend me. I understand what you're talking about, but I don't like how you're saying it. Take the whole world and give me Jesus. Take the whole world and give me Jesus. No. Jesus, I already have. And the Jesus I have owns the world. I'm not giving the world to you because it's my own. 
Christ is the heir of the world. He owns everything. Now, then you begin to understand scriptures like Psalm 24, where the Bible says that the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and they that dwell therein. Receive these things I'm saying. Because they are the basis for some weightier things that are coming. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. God owns everything. You know, this thing disturbed me for a lot of years. It disturbed me because I believe that I'm a considerate person. And um, I used to be very considerate of things, what people, how people feel, how people, you know, you know, like that. There are times where maybe I'm praying and the Spirit of God will just say something to me. Then I say, whoa, glory to God. Then I say, well, what about that person? <laughs> what about? What about? Until God took me to a corner. I said, come, come here. It was Psalm 24 that delivered me. He said, I own everything. Anybody that is holding anything, they're holding it temporarily for me. Then he explained to me, you say you know the way, there's a land use decree in this country, where every land belongs to the government, so to speak. So when you know if you buy land, they give it to you, it's a lease, are you understanding me? For 99 years. After which the government can decide, are you understanding me? And the land use act actually says that if the governor feels that the property you are on will be for public use, better public use. He can take it from you, amen, and make it for public use. That's the power a governor has. So he can revoke your CFO. I say, hey, say I am the governor of the earth. That thing entered my spirit. That's why we got this place so, amen. Where have they said, oh, if I like it, I will take it. Are you understanding me? It delivered me. And today, it will deliver you. Because you need to understand something. You need to understand. That's why the first thing that you need to be taught is that your sins have been forgiven. <laughs> because if you have any altar of condemnation in your heart about, should I, should I not? No, no, no. Then you're not ready for inheritance. People that talk inheritance. Amen. You know how kings behave. Amen. Is with the spirit of dominion. The earth is the Lord's. That's why I believe that a police station can be taken over. You don't understand what I'm saying. You know that as we are here, other lands will be joining. The earth is the Lord's. So, so listen, I've said it before. They say, and this man is the owner of the land. Nobody owns anything. That land, he bought it from somebody. That got 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 it from Adam. And God gave Adam. So who is the owner of all the lands? <laughs> then the Bible says, in Romans 8, 17. Romans 8, 17. And we, it talks about us being children. And if children, then what are we? Heirs. Heirs, not heirs of, heirs of what? God. 
and joint heirs with Christ. Amen. That means what Christ owns, we own. <laughs> now you now understand when he says that we are partakers of the inheritance. That means that what Christ owns, we also own. What belongs to him belongs to us. Revelations 5 verse 12. Worthy is the lamb that was slain. He was slain to receive. He received power. He received riches. He received lands for you. Amen. He was slain to receive. He didn't receive for keeps. He received it for you. You are the custodian and the administrator of the heritage. Here on earth. He said we are joined with Christ. Is that not so? In the sufferings of Christ in Isaiah 53, the 12th verse, he told us what God did. There's a language that was used, but I'll just break it down. He says, Therefore will I divide him, he's talking about Jesus, a portion with the greats. Amen. And because I've divided for him, in essence he was saying he will apportion something to Jesus. And Jesus will share what was apportioned to us. And he shall divide the spoil with the strong. We are the strong. Amen. Christ received the inheritance for you and I. So inheritance here deals with ownership rights. So when we say you have an inheritance, we're saying you have ownership rights on earth. Say, I have ownership rights. Say it louder, I have ownership rights. Glory to God. We have ownership rights here on earth. Glory to God. And this ownership rights, if you understand how far it goes, you will not live your life anyhow. Now, let's go back to Hebrews 1.14. Hebrews 1.14 talked about inheritance. And the moment they mentioned inheritance, they said something else. They said, they're talking about ministry of angels. You know, the whole book of Hebrews, before I get here, let me just say this. The book of Hebrews, what the book of Hebrews was trying to establish is the superiority of Christ. The deity of Christ. The Lordship of Christ. Everybody say the Lordship of Christ. So since he was writing to, so to speak, a Jewish audience, he had to establish some strong, strong things. Why? Number one, the Jewish people believe in the ministry of angels. That means that almost all the things that the Jewish people came to receive from, from God, they got through either a prophet or angels. Are you understanding me? And some of the prophets got it from angels. So they revere angels. They believe in angels. So the first thing the writer did, which I believe is Paul, in Hebrews 1, was to establish that this Christ is greater than angels. Then he also knows that they, they, they respect Moses. Moses, great Moses. He now came closer 
and say Moses was faithful, but the owner of the house is Christ Jesus. Establishing that Christ is superior to Moses. He didn't stop there. He knows that they believe in the ministry of the high priest. He went further and said, okay, now let's come to high priest. Amen. That's chapter 4, chapter 5. He now said, this high priest, Christ is our high priest. Whoa. Whoa. Then he knows also that they know something about the priesthood and how it was supposed to function. He started going into the details of the priesthood and explaining to them that Jesus Christ is the high priest and the executor of that priesthood. Now that the priesthood now is with Christ and will ever be with him and never change again. He talked about Melchizedek. He then talked about the new covenant and established that Jesus Christ is a shorty of the new covenant. He went further to talk about the tabernacle and all the elements in the tabernacle and the sacrifice itself. Then he talked about blood. Then he concluded that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, forever. Hebrews chapter 1 to chapter 13. Are you understanding me? That's the whole Hebrews. So now let's come to 1, where we were, 14. Are they not these angels... Who are they? Are they not all ministering spirits sent forth to minister for them? For who? Who shall be heirs of salvation? That means that the inheritance is accompanied with angelic assistance. That you cannot administer this inheritance without the help of some angels. Amen. Are you understanding me? Part of what comes with this inheritance is that we have angelic assistance. It brings us back to Hebrews 12 where the Bible says, we are come unto Mount Zion. It goes further to tell us we have come to what? To an innumerable company of angels. We are not in the midst of demonic spirits. If you are born again, you didn't come into a company of demons. You came into a company of angelic beings. Innumerable company of angels. Angels have been assigned to minister for you. Say they minister for me. So angels are ministering spirits. They are ministering spirits assigned to those that have the inheritance. This inheritance is an estate. You need help. <laughs> are you understanding me? To administer the estates, God assigned angels to you. And today, those are your angels. The angels of your inheritance. Amen. They will function with you in the name of Jesus Christ. No, 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 no. Don't think it's the pastor that has angels. It's the prophet that has angels. No. The Bible says, the heirs of salvation. The heirs of salvation. It didn't say the ministers of the gospel. The heirs of salvation have ministry spirits assigned to them. Your angels are happy I'm sharing this message. Because now they know that they will be put to work. Amen. Are we together? So, see, see, see. This inheritance comes with angelic assistance. These angels are ministering spirits. And they are with us here this evening. Waiting to minister. Waiting to minister. Waiting to minister. Who are angels? They are ministering spirits. For me, glory to God. They are for me, glory to God. I understand that. You know, Paul, in Hebrews 13, I think the second verse, he said, let brotherly love continue. He said, some people have entertained angels unawares. Why? That's establishing that the picture you always have, where you see wings, angels on wings. The Bible didn't say angels have wings. Hello? 
Study your Bible. Forget all the pictures they have been painting. The only winged creatures were the cherubims and the seraphims. And they are not angels. Amen. They are creatures. They were actually called living creatures. They were created for a specific purpose. Their function is even from the function of angels. Angels, most of the time, look like you. That's why you don't even know when they show up. Angels have been in your midst several times, but you've never known. In Hebrews 13, 2, that's what it's telling you. He said, be not be forgetful to entertain strangers. Why? For thereby some have entertained angels unawares. This applies to the New Testament. Some of you have given water to angels. Some of you are sat in the same taxi with angels. And because I'm saying it now, there will be more of angelic activity around you. Understand that the angelic activity around you, it is what helps you take advantage of your inheritance. This inheritance, you cannot administer the inheritance without the ministry of angels. Let me put it better. Without the consciousness of the ministry of angels. So angels are ministering spirits. But sometimes they are invisible. Sometimes they are visible, but in a form that looks normal. So they don't startle you. Angels have helped you sometimes on the road to fix your tire. You didn't know. Because it looked like uh, his name was uh, Dele. They have come out in the bush to push your car. How do we know that? Go and study scriptures. The first experience we had was Genesis 18. Where Moses came out in the plains of Mamre. And was looking outside, just taking fresh air. And then three men were walking by. Men. The Bible called them men. 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 Three men were walking by. If you were there that day, you would have been able to take pictures. It's just that maybe when you check, you might not see them in the photograph. But they looked visible to the eyes. They looked like men. But there were three. They walked and they were passing by a, um, Abraham's house. That's how they pass by your house sometimes. That's why I see a man that uh, is knowledgeable of spiritual things should be conscious of the spiritual. Paul said concerning the spiritual, don't be ignorant. These three were passing by the plains of memory. While they were passing, Abraham, a spiritual man, you know, we were told Abraham was a prophet. He sensed in his spirit, these guys are not ordinary. He said, sir, please, say, what, what do we have with you? He said, please, can you just come, eat, take, wash your feet, take something before you continue your journey. Do you know that he literally persuaded them? They were not even willing to come. Then they came and sat down, started discussing. And it was matters that concerned Abraham that they were carrying. Today, I want to announce to you, that because I'm, see, I've been mandated by heaven to speak about these things. Because angels that carry matters that concern you are going to show up in your house, so will show up in your office, they will show up on your streets, and they will address those matters. Are you with me? So what happened? They finished, they started discussing. He said talking about Sarah. <laughs> Amen. That's how Sarah got pregnant. Hallelujah. With an unexpected visit. Today. 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 
The unexpected is breaking forth upon you. Is breaking forth upon you. In the name of Jesus Christ. Glory to God. Now, these angels were passing. And then, they started discussing. Do you know they look like three men? After they finished, they now said, let's tell Abraham what we want to do. They now told him. The Bible told us, if you read chapter 18 and chapter 19, in chapter 19 of Genesis, there were no more three. There were two that went to Sodom. One of those three was God himself. And in scripture, several times, God appeared like a man. People, Bible scholars will call it the pre-incarnation existence of Christ. Amen. So that means he appeared like a man. It was the same experience Joshua had when he came to fight that city. And when he got out there, he saw a man. He said, he looked like a man. He said that the guy was big. He said, are you for us or against us? <laughs> guy said, as captain of the Lord's host. Do you know Joshua prostrated? He did not tell Joshua, don't worship me. That means that was God. Angels don't receive worship. Amen. Amen. See, what is breaking forth upon us is those kind of visions and revelations and manifestations of Christ in our lives. You see the title of that program, you have entered it to. The title of this program, you have entered it. You will live your life experiencing days of revelation and days of manifestations of Christ. Said Jesus showed himself alive by many infallible proofs. He will show himself alive in your circumstance by many infallible, undeniable proofs. Two went to Sodom. One was God himself. And he left. They came to see whether it was as sinful as they've been hearing. When they went around the, the, the inspection of the city. This is, you know, they also have environmental inspectors. These people came, they were inspectors of, of, of sin and unrighteousness. When they came around and checked, they said, no, this city has to go. We're told the story. They came to the house of Lot. And Lot welcomed them in. The men in that city saw two young men. Likely their haircut was very good. You know, they were well shaven, looking very good. And that city has been sold out to Sodomy. Homosexuality. And they say, we want those men. Lot was begging them. They refused. They started trying to break down his door. That's when those people manifested that they were angels. If not, they were doing like men. They threw blindness on the men outside. The men became blind. They said, Lot, it's time to go. They took Lot out of the city. Amen. Listen to me. There is deliverance that is coming to you that is supernatural and by the hand of angelic activity. When angels show up, it means that an assignment is about to be carried out. And in this age that we live in, there are assignments that need to be fulfilled, that need to be carried out. So we are experiencing angelic activity today. Glory to God. Are we together? Listen, sit down. So when we talk about angels, Peter was locked up in prison. You read that in the book of Acts. 
And then an angel, because they prayed, the Bible said the church did not cease in praying. That means when we pray, angels move on our behalf. They prayed, and what happened in Peter's place was angels showed up and woke him up, wake up, the guy was sleeping, and the chains fell from his hands. And there were two gates, they led him through the gates. It was when he came out, he discovered that he was not dreaming. Because the angels did not have wings. They look like men. Amen. Amen. Most of the time you see in scripture, they look like men. Now, most of the patriarchs, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, they had angelic assistance. You cannot administer inheritance without the ministry of angels. Abraham wanted his son to get married. Genesis 24. He called his servant. He said, look, the angel, my angel, will go before you and prepare a wife. That means even in marital matters, you need angelic assistance. Women to have children. Angels showed up. Are you understanding me? So, Abraham had angelic assistance. Isaac for marriage had angelic assistance. Then we saw Jacob. Jacob that we thought, hey, this Jacob, he's not following the will of his father. How can Jacob, you understand? See, his father was a straight man. You understand that? His father was, you know, but why would Jacob be like this? But there was a sacrifice that invoked angelic activity even for Jacob. So remember that Jacob if you trace, the angelic activity is always around the one that has the ownership rights. So, Esau was supposed to be the first son. But because Jacob had the birthright, the angels are assigned to him. He didn't get it. The angels were assigned to him. When hands were laid on him, and the birthright was conferred, angels were assigned to execute that word to manifest. He was the carrier of the inheritance. Today, you and I are the carriers of the inheritance. Genesis 32 verse 1. Jacob met angels on his way. You will meet angels on your way. Look at it. It says Genesis 32 1. And Jacob went on his way and the angels of God met him. Kai, put your name there. Put your name there. And Pastor TB went on his way and the angels of God met him. Put your name there. Put your name there. As you go on your way in your business, as you go on your way in life, as you go on your way in 2017, the angels of God will meet you. Say, I receive the ministry of angels. Glory to God. And the angels met him. The angels meeting him meant many things. So if you read verse 2, he got an idea immediately. He named the place. He got an idea immediately. The name of the place was Mahenem. Mahenem means two camps. That's where he got the idea to share his family so that he will not die. Concepts are coming to you. When angels meet you, they come from heaven. Concepts will break. Ideas, insights will come to you. Jacob went somewhere. He was not even praying about that. He was, he went to sleep. As he laid his head, he saw a ladder from earth into heaven. The Bible said angels were ascending and descending. He said, I did not know that God was in this place. No, no, it's not that God is in this place. God is following you. The, that when the blessing, listen, 
when the blessing was conferred on Jacob, the angels were assigned to him. How do you think the blessing is executed? It's the angels. So the angels were assigned to him. That's why when he slept, he saw that, look, angels are sending and descending, mean that he had traffic of angels. Everybody say traffic. Say traffic. We carry angelic traffic. Are you understanding me? We carry angelic traffic. We carry angelic traffic. They are ascending and descending. Jesus Christ enjoyed the ministry of angels. In John 1 verse 51, Jesus told them, look, 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 look. I know that you have heard about ministry of angels. You will see it in my own life. Look at John 1 51. And he said unto him, very, very, I say unto you, hereafter you shall see the heaven open and angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. Remember, what Jesus owns, you own. Angelic activity is also part of your inheritance. And in the same way, angels are ascending and descending upon you. Glory to God. That means that Jesus will not have been able to execute his mandate on earth without the ministry of angels. That's why the Bible says he was praying in the in garden of Gethsemane. He was praying and the blood and sweat from his body were like drops of blood. He became weak. An angel came and strengthened him. May you receive the strengthening of angels in your endeavors. May you receive the strengthening of angels in your endeavors. In the name of Jesus Christ. Are you getting the picture here? So the angel came and strengthened him. This inheritance, it comes with the ministry of angels. <laughs> Glory to God. Glory to God. See, you know how powerful angels are? You know how powerful angels are? One angel was sent to a city. He slaughtered 185,000 men. One angel. In scripture. They say these angels, they excel in strength. You see Samson was gathered by thousands of soldiers. And he picked up the jawbone of a donkey. You don't understand what was going on. Angelic ministry was happening there. All they needed was for him to do like he's fighting. So he would do zoop. The angels would slay hundred. You like whoop. The angel, are you understanding me? It was the ministry of angels in Samson's life. <laughs> the ministry of angels. I receive the ministry of angels in my life. You see, it's your inheritance. You're not begging for it. It's your inheritance. You are assigned, you are entitled to it. This is the inheritance of the saints in light. Glory to God. You can pray and make a demand for angels. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Say you can pray. Say you can pray. And make demands on angels. And they will respond to you. Do you know that most of the time when you take communion and you invoke, we said communion is a summoning of spirits. What spirits are you summoning? Angelic spirits. You took communion yesterday, you summoned angelic spirits to walk on your behalf, to move on your behalf. And things are shifting in your favor because angels are on the move concerning you. Glory to God. 
want to show you scripture. The day I realized that the angels will answer to my prayer. It changed. Now, I made a statement, so let me just um, um, clear that before we move further. Do you know that part of what Elijah enjoyed was the ministry of angels? Amen. The scripture tells us that Elijah will call fire. We saw all the exploits of Elijah. And then he told Elisha, if you see me, amen, you will have that you have desire. Then we know the story. The Bible says there was a whirlwind and chariots. You know, most of the time we say the chariot came and took, you know, if you read children's story book, they will show Elijah in the chariot going up. No, it was not chariot that took him. It was whirlwind. Put up the scripture. It was a whirlwind that took him. Amen. Not chariot. It was a whirlwind that took him. That means that there was a chariot and there were whirlwind. There was a whirlwind. The whirlwind took Elijah. The chariot remained. That's why Elisha shouted, My father, my father. The chariots of Israel and the horsemen thereof. Are you understanding me? So, he saw the chariots. Now, those chariots, listen, understand what was going on. In the realm of the spirits, amongst the prophets, somebody had the rights of the firstborn. It was Elijah. That means that amongst the prophets, he was the leading prophet of that season. As he was leaving, Elisha was asking for that mandate. Amen. Many people receive impartation, but who will carry this thing? That's what Elisha was asking for. He said, if you see, you will have it. He saw the chariots now were assigned to Elisha. That's why Elisha had the same manifestations that Elijah had. Because it's the same angels that were assigned to Elijah that were now assigned to Elisha. Amen. You know what they call change of God? You know what they call change of God? I, I, the one I watched very well was when President uh, Abdul Salam Abubakar handed over to uh, Obasanjo. You know, and then somebody was standing with Abdul Salam, you know, and all that. They came with him and all that. Obasan just seemed to be on his own. When they handed over the documents and the papers of office, the soldier moved to the other side. Bam! Everybody assigned to this man. Are you understanding me? Are you understanding me? It's on this corner to put that flag. Are you understanding me? That's how in the realm of the spirit, the assignment will transfer from Elijah to Elisha. Are we together? The angels were assigned. How do we know? One day Elisha was in his house. And then Elisha's servant was doing homework. Are you understanding me? Then he was doing homework. When he opened the curtain, he saw DSS outside coming to arrest the apostle. Are you understanding me? DSS were outside. Why are you laughing? Animal said, ah, ah, we are surrounded. They've come to arrest us. They're all here. The soldiers are all here. The prophet said, relax. They that are with us are more than they that are with them. He said, no, we are not the ones surrounded. They are the ones surrounded. <laughs> Glory to God. The, the, the son of the, the, the son of the prophet didn't understand what he was talking about. What did he pray? He said, Lord, open his eyes that he may see. Today, I stand as God's servant and I ask that your eyes open to see angelic activity around you. May God open your eyes to see manifestations of angelic activity around you in the name of Jesus Christ. More than ever before. 
more than ever before. May your consciousness of angelic ministry be awakened in the name of Jesus. Sit down for a moment. And then, when he said open his eyes, the Lord opened his eyes. <laughs> and he saw all around the mountain, all surrounding angels, chariots. It was those same chariots that were with Elijah. They did not go. They moved. Amen. Are you understanding me? See, the ministry of Christ is perpetuated on earth by the Holy Ghost through the ministry of angels. Are you understanding me? He said, this man is carrying this person's mantle. Sometimes these angels that are assigned. Amen. Are you understanding me? Yeah. That's what it is. So Jesus had the ministry of angels. And he knew he could use it anytime. Put on Matthew 26 verse 53. Let me just check something. 26, 53. Good. Now, that was the period where Peter thought that is by might and by power. Are you understanding me? No, no, they will not arrest by Jesus. They will not arrest by Jesus. You know? <laughs> you can imagine disciples of Jesus. One of them was with ammunition. Amen. You know, then they will be criticizing pastors. Are you understanding me? Jesus Christ himself. Amen. Amen. <laughs> Now, there's a way, eh? There's a way to be a distant, distant disciple. You say maybe Jesus did not know. Peter, James, and John are the one he always carries to the mount. They are the, it's Peter that was armed. He was not armed for keep, so. He was armed for action. Because the moment the man did anyhow, he did him anyhow. The ear came down. Are you understanding me? Are you understanding me? The ear came down. Jesus had to heal it. There had to be a healing meeting. So Jesus said, relax. Everything, relax. relax. Let's read this scripture together. I want to go. Thinkest thou that I cannot now pray to my father and he shall presently give me more than 12 legions of angels? Amen. That prayer that Jesus could pray, you can also pray. Because your prayer is in his name. And you are joint heirs with Christ. Jesus is saying, as we are speaking now, I can call 12 legions. Let me explain what 12 legions are. A legion is made up of between 5,000 and 6,000 angels. In an army, 5,000 6,000 soldiers. So when he says 12, 12 times 6,000 is 72,000. If there are 5,000, 12 times 5,000 is 60,000. Let me just say, I can just say 60,000 angels should learn now. You know, one angel is dangerous. The whole, do you know who smoked Sodom and Gomorrah? They smoked the city. Two. Two angels. Two angels. You say, they say, Boko Haram attacked a community. Many of them, they're the born of the city. Two angels. Smoked the place. Amen. <laughs> Bad guys. Amen. <laughs> So Jesus said, I can call 60,000. Between 60,000 and 72,000. Now! Hi. There are angels at your disposal. Oh. And you can pray and make demands on angelic activity. When the Bible starts telling you about angels that followed men like Elijah, and the angels that follow me are more. The angels that follow Elijah and Elisha. Are you understanding me? When you begin to hear about the angels that follow them, 
Because he said chariot. Everybody say chariot. Now in biblical terminology, chariot is not just chariot. Oh. The Bible tells us that a chariot, Psalm 68, verse 17. Let me show you a standard chariot. How many angels is made up? Amen. Amen. We are doing spiritual measurements. Amen. <laughs> yeah? Alright? Look at this scripture. The chariots of God, any chariot that is of God, are what? 20,000, even thousands of angels. The Lord is among them, as in Sinai in the holy place. That means that when you hear that there were chariots, it means that each chariot was 20,000 at least of angels. Battle ready. Hi, 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 Battle ready. Battle ready. Glory to God. Listen to me. When we talk about takeover, is ministry of angels. <laughs> Are you understanding me? Is ministry of angels. When we talk about takeover, somebody wants to pay money, is dragging a contract with you, dragging property with you. The money hang, angel hang the money. Are you understanding me? The money cannot drop. Are you understanding me? Is the ministry of angels. <laughs> Laugh a little, amen. <laughs> Glory to God. This meeting is bringing you into this meeting, ministry of angels. When angels show up, chains fall off, wombs open, marriages happen, money supernaturally comes, doors open, judgment is executed. When angels show up, stories change. Hey, hey, hey. I want to end with Judges 13. I'm not going to open the scriptures. I just mentioned it. Now, in all my studies of angels, the script, my favorite angel's story is in Judges 13. Because in Judges 13, you have the longest conversation ever with any angel. Amen. With any angel. The longest conversation is in Judges 13. That was the story of how Samson was born. His father's name was Manoah. And an angel came to the mother and told her that there's a child that's going to be born and told her what not to do and what to do concerning the child. She was so excited. She went to tell her husband that a man of God, because he looked like a man. Say, a man of God visited me and he told me so, 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 so about my children, blah, blah, about my son, so, so, so. He said, where is the man? Say, he has gone. I'm paraphrasing. Ah, uh-uh. What? You don't even know his name. Nothing. Do you know what the man did? Show me the scripture where the man said he prayed. Amen. Judges 13. Good. And then Manoah entreated the Lord and said, I'm reading Judges 13, 8. Oh my Lord, let the man of God, that's Angelo, which thou didst send, come again unto us. See somebody praying specific prayers for angels. In the Old Testament, how much more you? <laughs> let him come again unto us and teach us what we shall do unto the child that shall be born. Prayer. Specific prayer. He was making a demand for angelic ministry. Did, did, there was a lightning from heaven say, how dare you? Look at verse 9. And God what hearkened to the voice of Manoah. God will hearken to your voice today. And the angel of the Lord came again. Amen. I love this. Unto the woman as she sat in the field, but her husband was not with her. Amen. The husband goes out a lot. So he was not around. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Glory to God. So he was not around. But the angel came again according to his prayer. Verse 10. 
And the woman made haste and ran. I, see, I love this. She ran and showed her husband and said unto him, Behold the man. She kept calling him a man because he looked, he didn't have a wing. The man had appeared unto me that came unto me the other day. Verse 11. And Manoah arose and went after his wife and came to the man and said unto him, Are you the man that spake unto the woman? And he said, I am. That means the angel waited until they called him. <laughs> the angels that are assigned to you in this season, <laughs> they will not leave until that which they are sent to do is accomplished. Hey, some of you, angels have been assigned concerning your house rents. Some of you concerning your school fees. Some of you concerning your school results. That some of you is concerning your visa. Angels have entered into that fire to turn circumstances on your behalf. <laughs> you are looking for a job. Angels know where the jobs are. They know, they know, they know, they know. And we dispatch them <laughs> into the job industry. And to bring jobs to you. They bring jobs to you. Supernaturally. In the name of Jesus Christ. Look at it. Um, I don't know whether I should skip to verse 15. But let's keep going. Verse 12. And Manoah said, Now let thy words come to pass. How shall we order the child? How shall we do unto him? And the angel of the Lord said, Of all I said unto the woman, Let her beware. He didn't repeat the oath. He said, I've told the woman. Amen. She may not eat of anything that cometh out of the vine. Blah, blah, blah. Verse 15. That's where I'm going to. And Manoah said unto the angel of the Lord, I pray thee. Now this is the part I want to focus on. Let us detain thee. <laughs> until we shall have made ready a kid for thee. We want to kill an animal. We want to serve you. Listen, oh. We want to serve you. Let us detain you. Now I, I, I've read the scripture many years back and over and over and over and over again. It is so bother me to say, the man had mind though. Amen. You know why? The angel looked like a man. Amen. The angel looked like a man. Say, let us detain you. The angel did not say, detain me. I, I will finish your generation now. <laughs> detain me. Who are you? Look at all these human beings trying us. The angel did not say that. Look at what the angel said and what he was implying by what he said. Watch. And the angel of the Lord said unto Manoah, read with me, though thou detain me. Stop. That means it was possible. It was possible for him to stay. Because he prayed for the angel to come. And I was saying that we are going to keep you. The angel said, even if you keep me, meaning you can. He didn't say you cannot keep me. These angels that are coming today and are assigned to you, until that assignment is finished, they are still around. <laughs> glory, 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 glory. He said, though you detain me, I will not eat of your bread. If you will offer a burnt offering, it must be offered unto the Lord. Look at the next verse. The next, that, sorry, the same verse, the next line. For Manoah knew not that he was an angel of the Lord. Verse 17. 
And Manoah said unto the angel of the Lord, What is your name? He said, ah, You don't enter. Don't go there. In the whole of the Bible, only four names of angelic beings were revealed. Two were of negative, Lucifer and Apollyon or Abaddon. Then the good ones were Gabriel and Archangel Michael. No other angel's name was revealed. So when he said, what is your name? Perhaps he also knew that they didn't know names of angels. Amen. So if he tells him a name there, he's not an angel. Then he said, that when your sayings come to pass, we may do you honor. Next. And the angel said unto him, why accept thou thus after my name? Seeing it is secret. Verse 19. And Manoah took a kid with a meat offering and offered it upon the rock unto the Lord. And the angel did wondrously. Now the Bible says he did a miraculous act. Hallelujah. He did something supernatural. And Manoah and his wife looked on. Next. And it came to pass that when the flame went up toward heaven from off the altar, the angel of the Lord ascended in the flame of the altar. And Manoah and his wife looked on it and fell on their faces to the ground. <laughs> Hallelujah. He entered. Now I was teaching somewhere and I told them, I said, when you give offerings, it is angels that carry your offerings to God. I said, not the substance, not the shell. It is the substance of your offering. Not the shell of your offering. The shell of your offering is the note. The substance of your offering. That's why when Cornelius, they said, your offerings are a memorial to God. He gave it on earth. The shell was still on earth. But the substance of the offering. Pray in tongues. I bring you to this manifestation of Christ. The ministry of angels. I will prophesy as I am commanded. And we'll close the meeting tonight. Pray in tongues a little. Mashalananaman Tolebos Brigadier. Get on keyboard. Thank you for listening to this message. If you have been blessed, you can reach us by email on info at faith faith online.org or call us on 234-806-361-3560. You are big, blessed, and loaded. Taking the message, I'm big.